What's up guys, this is Sean and welcome to another episode of the Eheng Podcast And for this episode, this is a session I had with students of Nottingham University So I think it's their investment club And when they invited me, I said yes So I think this is going to be pretty useful if you are still in that uni trying to figure out property It's a real, real entry level And I hope you guys find this useful Enjoy What's up guys? <laughs> Thank you for introducing me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, hi, Mr. Sean. Can I, can I call you Sean? Just call you Sean. I really just drop off the Mr. It's a bit weird <laughs> if I call you Mr. Hello. Um, well, I'm not your lecturer. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hmm. all right. Um, I think we'll start off with, uh, I think it's a pretty, you know, like based on term kind of question. Mm. So this is their first question. What is property and how is it different from real estate? Yeah. How is property different from real estate? Yeah. Um, I think real estate is the proper term for the entire built environment. It's like uh, you have buildings, you have transactions, you have law, you have legislation, you have um, financing, you have uh, a lot of other things to make a property function in terms of economics then property is just a building. So that's why like, I have a master's in real estate, not master's of property. That would sound really weird. <laughs> yeah. So, but to me, it's a terminology thing. It's a definition thing. Uh, like, let's go check out uh, real estate. It sounds weird, but let's, have, let's check out a property. Then everybody gets it, right? So I think there's, there's still certain difference in terminologies, but to me, um, I think when I'm buying, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Yeah, so just to make it clear, so property is the asset itself, right? The real estate mm. will, contribute, will consist the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So second question, what's your first investment property? Um, for those who watch the channel, I think they are pretty familiar with it. So it's uh, I bought that when I was twenty two and twenty two. Uh, it's an apartment in Puchong. Uh, it's pretty cool. Until now, I'm still holding it. So the just to share a little bit more, it's a walk up apartment. And the, the main reason why I bought back then, I know there was no leaf. Uh, because I didn't want my parents to stay with me la. <laughs> so they, they need to plan the stats so I didn't want to uh, include the stats back then I was that ignorant um, but the main point was uh, it was very close to the LRT station so this is when the LRT station was still being proposed and uh, I, would, I just followed whatever I had in my bank which is the initial 10% that I had uh, so I found that so it's in uh, Taman Puchong Prima so now it's pretty cool. It's uh, renting out for thousand four, but my installment is only eight hundred. So every month I get extra six hundred for 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 anything else lah, high deal or whatever lah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So actually quite high return now because Puchong. I, I remember if uh, like maybe ten years ago Puchong wasn't a very crowded place, like not populated. Yet. Yep, you are right. And Puchong is extremely big. Like it's it's. Crazy, like from uh, Subang Putra Heights up to Bukit Jalil, 
up to the age of Cyberjaya, up to the age of Serdang, still Puchong. So when you say Puchong, right, it's it's huge. So it really depends on which side of Puchong you are referring to. Like. Every time you buy, right, oh, Puchong cannot make it one, but they are high-end Puchong and low-end Puchong. Mm. I think there's one thing that you mentioned about this because you are at that age, right, 22 years old. Like for me, myself, 23 years old and I haven't started like property investing. I don't even know where to start. Mm. So this might be a great question to ask, like how do you actually get started in property investing? Oh, um, it's a very cool story. So when I, like for those who, again, uh, I keep assuming people don't follow me. Lah. So for those who follow my Instagram, uh, recently, my home in Taman Sri Buddha was flooded. So it flooded for the second time. So the first time, it was 1995. And when it flooded, I was uh, staying at my aunt's place for a while. So she was the person that introduced me to the world of real estate. During free time, when I was working with her, hanging out with her, she fetched me around factories in Sungai Buloh. And she would just drop me there. Like, hey, Sean, go down. Uh, go collect money. Okay, like, you want to do whatever you say like, because she promised me chicken rice later. Ma. So I go there and collect money. Then after that, uh, she fetched me again the same month and again and again and again. So there was one particular moment I got kind of um, weird out. Like, so why do people pay you money, aunt? Why do people just give you money like that? And she innocently just answered me, she is paying for my space. That's simple. But you, when you are like, uh, 14, 15, up to 18, right? Then you're like, what is paying for space? So unless you are renting when you are studying, right? You will not understand the concept of paying for space. So quantity matters, quality matters. Unfortunately for a lot of people who studies and stays around the same area, it's pretty unfortunate that we will not understand the concept of renting a space and the value of space. So I got it really early. And in my dinner table as well. So for my relative gatherings, uh, Chinese New Year especially, um, they will talk about what share you buy, uh, what forex you're keeping, which property you're collecting rent, why are you not selling, why are you not buying this Park City, why are you not buying Satya Alam. Yeah, so those are the topics that I was exposed really, really early. I think because of that, um, when I'm 19, I'm already saving up money to buy properties really. And back then also, very clear one of you we didn't have any other asset class. So there was only Forex, there was only stock market where I need to uh, press TV3. Then I need to look at the green and yellow and hey, you all laugh, uh, seriously. So so I was, uh, so when I was 16, I was 17, I bought my first stock. I used my mom's remise here. So you call, hey, uncle, uh, can you buy this warrant for me? After that only, like it got really natural and I bought the unit without my parents' consent. So. Suddenly, I just go back home. Uh, where have you been? I'll go and buy an apartment. No? Then my parents are so like, oh my god, what's wrong with this kid? Yeah, so that's how it started. But, but okay, let's say, let's say for example, uh, if you were to uh, go back in time or tell uh, hmm. yourself again, what advice would you give yourself back then if you were to restart this whole process? Again? Buy more. <laughs> buy more. Uh, buy earlier, uh, don't hesitate, um, and buy better places. So unfortunately, I was restricted by my budget. And the budget is from my earnings as an agent. So I was working as an agent back then, and uh, those initial capital came from my commissions. So my, I still remember my first paycheck is 17800 I, I was selling factories really. So why work? 
right? Normal people like you all graduate, work in the bank 2008-2002. Oh, mommy, I got a job already, right? But then for me, it's like 17-18,000. Then which is weird then when I look at other grown-ups also as agents, they spend their money pretty easily. So I found out that they are 45 years old. From a 21 years old person, you think 45 is the end of the world? So old, right? How can people live so old? Um, but then they still are doing the same thing. Therefore, I ventured out and I saved all those money and put into a property. My advice would be to put in faster. Don't need to think so much because eventually 10 years later, right? If you put any investment in a long-term period, everything will work. But uh, if I can also advise him to do something else, is to uh, look into Bitcoin. Uh. <laughs> yes, Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin. Because <laughs> Bitcoin. Okay. This property talk. Don't uh. talk about it. <laughs> right, but it's actually correlated though. We will talk about that later. Anyway, yeah, we have one question for that actually. Mm. Yeah. What's the best investment property you've invested in? in terms of return or the one that you just biasly love the most? The weirdest thing is I buy all properties uh, with the intention of investment. So I've always looked at only numbers and that's how I also speak in front of the channel. But personally, I got... So that's the... So the best one would be a terrace house in Johor, very close to the second link. And the main reason is the tenants actually work in Singapore. So they earn sing dollar. It's a pretty cool return in that say. And until now, uh, it's appreciated like 25% already. So it's uh, like uh, maybe 150, 180,000, around two to three, around maybe four to five years. Lah. I think that is Amkong. If you know Amkong, it's like a lucky one, lucky shot. Lah, because I didn't really understand the dynamics and... For those who don't understand, uh, terrace houses usually will not get positive ROIs on your rental. It means that the rental for a terrace house seldom can cover the installment. Right? But for my case, uh, it's surpassed. So I'm renting out that one again at a very good rate and it's higher than my installment amount. Lah. So I get good rental returns and good capital appreciation, both sides. But the only meet, I think the that's a nice story to hear. Lah, but let me share a bit more about the bad side. Lah. <laughs> the worst property I bought was a luxury uh, semi-D. So it was uh, 1.7 million and I bought it when I was 28. So uh, that turned out pretty bad where I think for, I'll repeat this story again for those who have listened, just be a bit more patient. Um, I've signed a 15 years loan. So for normal loan, it's 35 years now, right? So 35 years, a 1 million loan, you need to pay around 4,000. 3,000-ish now. La. But back then, you need to pay around 6,000. I took 1.4 million in loans. So every month, by right, I need to pay around 6,000 when if I take 35 years. But I took only half the tenure. Therefore, I need to pay 12,000 every month. So my salary was only 6,000. So every month, I got in 6,000. I need to pay the installment 12,000. And that's only one out of my portfolio that I owned back then. So it was a very, very scary one. And that was also part of the motivation I started the channel. Because if you listen from a person who have never made mistake before, I don't think it's that real also. But this was a real part where I need to go in AKPK, like for those who study finance, right? AKPK, agency counseling, something, something for banking or whatsoever to help people come out from money issue. Uh, then I didn't have credit card for four to five years, basically got no money to 
pump petrol, no money to pay toll. Uh, to a certain extent, I need to donate blood uh, for food. So uh, I was actively looking for blood drive around back then because if I were to found one, I save one meal so I can survive another day. And uh, the budget back then is uh, 480 bucks, 480 ringgit uh, per month, include petrol and tow. That was my expenses after having several properties in my portfolio. So, so if you know the good side, wow, the, the apartment just now can generate wow, positive income whatsoever, right? All cannot cover one mistake. Yeah, so, so, that's, so that's the a, a more wholesome story for you guys. Yeah, that's the scary thing about property. I, I don't, I have thought through this. I, I mean, I haven't got any property right now, mm, mm. but I've always been thinking about this, like your first property would, be very crucial, right? Because once you make that mistake, you basically yep. have to go through all that thing that you just mentioned. Just now you mentioned all those advices already, but mm. Mm, what can we uh, look at? Like when we first buy a property, right? what are the things that we can look at to avoid as many risks mm. as possible? Yeah. So, so um, I would say, so that because of that, right? Because of that mistake, I learned from it on a very, very hard way. And I need to figure out how to make money on top of my job, on top of my side gig. It's still not enough. Every month, there will be bankers that calls me every day. Like there will be five bankers of different banks. And I know their names. So, hi, Kaina. Or, do it, do Ayakan Bank. So, peso, peso, Ayakan Bank. Okay, uh, minggu depan. Sekarang memang tak ada lah. Darah pun tak ada lah. Uh, so, so they will laugh, laugh, but they bang, lah, right? They will. They are the most cruel, most cold-blooded creature when it comes to growth. However, um, because of those lessons, I realized what I did wrong, and I came up with the four basic steps. And the four basic steps. Step one is to find out your intent, which is either investment purposes or own state, right? And these two are pretty distinct. Step two is to find out your affordability which is to fix your budget. I had that issue. I thought property back then, all buy sure make money, right? Because I made four, I made several uh, great choices up front. So I thought like, I, I my LT sure win, right? So don't even care. I can sure score this, but eventually it didn't happen. Then third of all would be to visit 20 different properties around that budget that you can afford. So let's say you can afford 500,000, then let's go look around properties different properties, whether it's built, high-rise, landed, old, new, with swimming pool, no swimming pool, around that budget. 20 of them let's, uh, allows you to understand the market better. After you find that ideal one, then the step four is to pull the trigger and you got to make sure that it's an informed decision and you make sure the risks are calculated. So those are the four basic things right? that kind of covers, but a lot of people try to skip steps. Sean, no need 20 lah, Sean. I see 20 uh, Three years also cannot finish at 20. But I started my first three with 50. So out of 50 different properties, only I find one that I can buy. It was that, it was that insane. La. Yeah, those are the steps that I would recommend for a newbie. And how I wish there was a person like me when I started my first property. I don't need to bang the wall so many freaking times. <laughs> mm. Actually, uh, I have a question uh, regarding your best investment property, the Terrace House. Uh. Mm. You said that you can rent to a Singapore couple, right? Mm. At, at a higher rental income, right? Yep. And then why did they not choose the terrace houses beside them? Beside oh, no, oh, your terrace so it's house? within, uh, good point. So it's within the area. Within the area, it's all like that. For those who are not familiar with the Malaysian culture of working in Singapore, they travel every day. 
So they will ride the motorbike early in the morning, six o'clock, take the second link over to Singapore. Then midnight, they will come back. Right? So it's a very weird thing to see back then. Uh, they ride motorbike to work to Singapore. in Singapore. When they come back home, right, in the house got a bell fire. Right? <laughs> so let's say their income is uh, maybe combined income is at seven thousand sing dollar, right? In JB, you're a baller already. So times three. Yeah, so you times three, so it's at twenty-one thousand. Wow. <laughs> so if you think about it, and then with that kind of spending power, then in that same area, how and why must they rent your unit? Oh, this is where the makeover concept comes. I need to provide better TV, better fan, uh, fresh coat of paint or whatsoever. Oh, mm, that's, that's, that's how they came up. Um, but just that it's now affected because of the borders being closed. People cannot go in and out. So currently, uh, after MCO hit, then the rental, so the tenants moved out and we, the rental dropped a little bit. Uh, yeah, regarding that, right? You hmm. see all those things like pain, all this stuff, right? Hmm. So if you include that, then how much capital do you actually need to prepare to, to just start investing you know, if you consider all this stuff in? How, how much do you know you need to prepare? Hmm. Um, it, okay, so how much capital depends on what kind of property and what kind of property depends on what's your salary, okay? So a rule I would take is that one third of your salary can be used to pay for housing loan. That's the rule of thumb. Okay, so that's a formula or the magic formula where you can divide by 72, get the magic number whatsoever. You can get it online. But to me, quick number, let's say you earn 6,000, 2,000 can be used for housing loan. So every 100,000, uh, you will get around 350 money installment for 35 years. So if 300,000, then it's 1050. So if it's 200,000, then it's 2100. So that's the amount of budget that is allocated or you can afford. Lah. With that in mind, then it depends also whether you've got credit card debts or not, you've got car debts or not, and your type of employment. Are you in a high-risk uh, entrepreneur type or are you in a big major corporate? So they will adapt, they will adjust your loan uh, differently. That being said, that was a very complicated manner. The easier answer would be uh, make sure your salary got 5,000 first. Then... Uh, get yourself insured first. Make sure that you, when you die, right, your parents don't have to pay for your own choice. So you don't be a liability to your family after you get work, right? So if you get uh, hospitalized, you don't have to worry. And that's very important. Secondly, have six months of emergency fund. It means that you don't have, you can get fired. For the next six months, you don't work. It's okay. After those two, only you start figuring out whether you can invest or not. So those are the criterias that I see pretty clearly right now because any, anything below 4,000, right? You are urban poor. You are B40 in KL. Seriously, B40, bro. It's so, so scary. Unless you want to live in Paris, so it's a different thing. Again, no this to Paris, but you can move to other states if you want to. But I think all the job opportunities and all these employment or job opportunities all are in KL. That's very real. So just in, to answer again, it's salary. I think you reach a 5,000 salary then you have insurance, you have protection, then you have savings, only you start investing. Mm. Yeah, I think it comes down to personal finance again, right? Yeah. yeah because, mm, because I started with none. So I went, I silang. <laughs> so <laughs> so my, my, my apartment, the Puchong one, uh, it was 330,000, I still remember. And I only have 30,000 in my bank. And the teaching back then is, oh, you need 10% for the down payment. 
Okay, 10% I pay. No? Suddenly, one lawyer called. Hey, the lawyer fee is 6000 uh. What lawyer fee? Then I have some salary. My, bank, my salary ngam ngam bank in there. I'm going to pay that. Then suddenly, another lawyer called. Oh, this is from the bank. Uh. So, the banker lawyer fee. Huh? Why different lawyer? You all cannot talk to each other. Man? Why must pay again? Then, uh, you have the valuation fee. You have the administration fee. You have chukai this, chukai that. Then, when you get the keys, then the unit is... Dirty, unless you clean yourself, you need to hire people. Yeah, so all those comes to an amount which is around 18% if you are buying a sub-sale property. The concept of 18%, a lot of people say, okay, 18%, 500,000 means you need to have 90,000 cash. And it goes higher if the property value is higher. So it's a 1 million property, right? It's 180,000 cash. So it's pretty scary. That's why youngsters all buy from developers. It's easier, 500 only booking. As long as I, you can qualify for the loan, <clears throat> you can buy the property. So now it's a difference of uh, profiles. So is it sub-sale, is it auction? Auction is different. Uh, if it's a uh, sub-sale, then it's different. Mm. In terms of return, do you think mm. renting or selling property is more favorable, more profitable? Um, there's this saying, uh, <clears throat> when you're young, you flip. When you are old, you hold and rent out. That being said, it was, it was, I was taught about that, right? When I was young and it was the flipping era. Those people who buy property back then, right? Every, everyone is a property guru. Right? Even my plumber, because I work in the developer, right? so my plumber is a multi-millionaire because whatever he just booked, by the time he get the keys, he can sell like 50% higher. Right? Don't need to work one shot. This plumbing business uh, is a hobby. Okay, like when the market crash, right? All in deep shit. Mm. So to me now, if I want to go really, really long term and to be a bit more prudent, right? My take is to always tie back to rental. Nobody can actually guarantee you the next 10 years, right? The value of the property will 10x. No one can promise you that. Right? Who is so good that can promise, right? And they want to sell that info. Also, also a big cuckoo one. Why don't you buy all yourself? Right? So <clears throat> definitely there'll be an agenda behind. Therefore, my take is I started venturing around asking all these real estate, really rich uncle, like, those in sleeper and Ikea bags. Like, you ask them like, how do you invest? Like I was really shocked back then they have 15 to 18 properties, 25, 28 properties. Like, one uncle in the Potong Vira. So, so they just tell me like, so as long as every month rental recover, go ahead. Even if when the property price 30 years later didn't really increase much, right? Did you lose anything? Every year, <clears throat> the tenant still pays rental for you. So you're building equity every year, as per se. So although every month, let's say when you break even, then they need to pay earlier their maintenance. Year one to year five, uh, let's say rental is 2,000, uh, okay? Easy for calculation. Per year is 24,000. 10 years is 240,000 really. Just sit there only. With that, it's definite. So the amount of changes in the market, right? Rental doesn't change, right? Like COVID, non-COVID, uh, uh, lockdown, not lockdown, uh, business good or bad, right? The rental around your university also almost the same, right? <laughs> so if that, so rental is the most genuine, the most bulletproof data. And whenever you're nego with a landlord, hey, minus 50 bucks, a hey, minus 80 bucks, lah, expensive, eh, right? So it's that tedious. It's to that very detailed figures. 
So every time I invest, I would advise people to tie back to rental first. Because if rental can justify, right, capital appreciation will come later. Because later, like let's say when Andy and Shenzhen, you all grow up already, uh, you all grow already. La. So <laughs> maybe another five years, hey, Sean, uh, you want to, I want to buy property. You want to buy my apartment? Every you buy, immediately the rental can cover installment. Who the one, right? As the rental increase, the value of the property will also increase. Mm. So that is also a safe bet because every like you throw a stone around Puchong or you throw a stone around KL, right? There's like a gazillion different apartments. I've done 600 episodes, right? Everyone still think that, hey, Sean, you list, you visit so little property. Right? So technically, I visit like around 400 properties. So people still think that, yeah, Sean, cover very small part of Malaysia. And that's like, technically, it's around small part of KL. So there's so many more, right? So what determines safety for your investment? The rental rates. So I would advise again to only tie back to rental rates for now. Mm, so, but that's all assuming that your tenant continues renting your unit, right? But mm. what if you don't have a tenant? Like some places, they're not attractive to people. It, they, we can't rent out the, the unit we have at that place. Then why you buy? Ensure, but um, like how do we ensure that we don't buy the wrong property? Like if it's like a newly launched one, how do I know that it can be rented okay. out? So that's the risk and that's the difference between sub-sales and uh, new property. New property all based on gas. You don't know. Right, because if you look into the sales and purchase agreement, which is the SPA, every anything else besides your apartment unit, everything else, right, no guarantee. Right? There's no certainty that your swimming pool will look awesome. There's no certainty that your corridor is this width. There's no certainty that uh, the drop off will not be from left to right. Yes, there will be indications, but it's not tied in contract. That being said, you don't know how the building will end up like. And with that being said, you can guesstimate. So now let's say. Location A, it's uh, launching this price, 500,000. 500,000, your money installment is around uh, 1,300, 1, around there, lah, right? Then your installment is 1,280, the rental around is 1,000. Do you buy? Every money to cough out 280. Think about it, lah, maybe because when you buy four years later, only you get the keys, maybe the rental will increase there, or don't know. But if the rental around is 1,500, Definitely higher than your installment really. I close eye also, I buy law. Correct? But when you think about that, you think developers don't know how to calculate, man. Developers also know how to calculate. Right? Hey, under price, really, right? I will sure maximize my sales. Right? I will sure maximize my profit. Right? So I first launched, launched low, low. Uh, then the second phase, third phase, I will increase my price. There are formulas and ways to guesstimate uh, location. But... Uh, that's the difference between sub-sales and new property. Lo. So in uh, sub-sales, you can guarantee, you can almost like for sure the rental is 1008 because you look into iProperty, Property Guru, Prop Social, whatever platforms out there, the rental is around 1003 to 1005 for this unit, right? But the selling price and your installment amount is lower than that. Then you can go ahead. So when you say property, like the rent out cannot rent, right? That's a fear. And I do agree. That's a fear that people will think that why tenants must stay with you forever. Man? Um, actually, tenants uh, change that like for the apartment, the, again, the same Pujum apartment. During MCO, I changed three tenants. And once one leaves, right, within a week, the other one come. Then the second one leaves, within two weeks, the third one come. And that depends on the treatment of your unit. 
So because I worked in the makeover guys as well, all my units all chunky chunky looking one. If you look into the pictures, right, ooh, it's actually more beautiful than my the house that I'm staying. So that my vendor units are actually more beautiful than my home. Very sad, but all investors all like that one. So you see, I wear like normal 17 bucks t-shirt, but the amount of properties all went through makeover. Right? Why? Because it's a business and by nature, how do tenants pick rooms? They go online, they see pictures, right? So as a landlord now, it makes more sense to beautify the picture of the unit, which is to do decoration and whatsoever. So those are ways that you can mitigate the risk of your unit being empty. Lah. Another thing is to don't ask like crazy rental or everybody going 1,005 then, oh, I want 1,008, don't want my unit the best. So it also comes to that. Lah. No, I believe based on, based on this, right, then you are probably a person who likes subsell property more. The problem is capital. <laughs> How I wish I got a lot of money that I can just buy and buy and buy and buy. So if you have capital, right? So this is how I started like, for those who are listening. Is if especially for first time, right? It's very useful because I got no money. I only have 30,000. I buy the apartment, then for the next six months, I I every day eat up. KFC also cannot like, because too expensive. Right? So <clears throat> I put in money, but then I need to buy another one pretty quickly. What I did is I take my SBA, the, the sales and purchase agreement. You can go to KWSP, which is your, which is what, which is called your retirement fund. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> retirement fund. Then they have an account too. So your retirement fund, every month you pay your EPF. It's like account one, account two, and account one cannot touch one. Account two, there's an allocation. So you, there's a rule where you can take out 10% of your SBA price or everything in your account too. So my account ngam ngam got around 30,000. So I take my SPA, I go to the KWSP, I take out the 30,000 again. I buy another property. Uh, so very fast, I got two properties. I want a third property. Capital, how? Sell my kidney, man. Cannot, man. So I go and uh, buy a new property. But new property, the problem is I need to wait for four years. So that's why a lot of people stop at the third property. Also because of the loan margin. So the first two residential property, you can take 90% loan, which means if it's 500,000, the property, you can loan 450,000. So the second 500,000 property, you can loan another 450,000. But the third 500,000 property, you can only loan 350,000. So what happens to the remaining money? All needs to be in cash. Uh, that's why a lot of uh, people all get stuck at two. Because the third property, right? No one has the gap. No one walks around with 150,000 cash. And we are talking about a 500,000 property. We know how low 500,000 is right, in this today's context. But you, if you to, uh, if you will need to buy a sub-sale 500,000 property as your third property, you need 150,000 cash. Insane. That's why I stopped. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you can still do a lot of other things to make more, to, to, to play around where you can take your rental income to justify as an income. I think a lot of people don't know this trick as well. Um, LHDN actually, uh, no, 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 LHDN. Banks actually consider rental rates, the rental return, the rental collected as income. So let's say my, my income is 5,000. I collect my rent is 2,000. My monthly installment is 1,500 only. Because I do a lot of homework, I found this gem. 2,000, uh, the bank will take 80% of it, which is 1006. So they will consider 1006 as the income minus my installment 1005. I'm 100 ringgit richer. 
So when I apply my first 500,000 property, I, my income is 5,000. But when I buy my second property, my income is 5,001. <laughs> so indirectly, I became richer by having a property under my name that is rented out. So for a lot of people who buy the first property as a home, then they are in big trouble because 2,000, eh, your 1,005 installment is fully deducted from your income. So you are left with 3,005 for your next property. So 3,005, you cannot qualify for the loan. So sorry, look, cannot buy them. Mm. So what investors do is they buy two properties, but they rent a property that they stay because they want to make sure the slots are used for investment. So does that mean that the more property you buy, the higher the down payment will become? Um, no. After the third property, <clears throat> then the rest is all 70%. Oh, percent uh, down payment. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that being said, um, it also depends on your income level. So like how much more can you buy? When you understand people buy 28 to 30 properties, what kind of income are they having? <laughs> and all needs to be managed in terms of renting. So if I have one property who gives me <clears throat> more rent than my installment, I can just duplicate this method. right? What I also do is I wait out for 5 to 10 years. That's it. So this exact, the same Puchong apartment again, what well, is apartment going to be very famous. So this same project apartment, four hundred thirty thousand, is good. It's now around five hundred thousand. When I take the loan, it's ninety percent, so it's around two hundred ninety-seven. Let's say three hundred thousand. Okay, this for max. The three hundred thousand loan today, it's only left maybe uh two hundred and ten thousand, two hundred twenty thousand each. That's why my installment is only around eight hundred. But my rental has increased from thousand two ten years ago to now thousand five. The property price three hundred thirty thousand. Now 500,000. Okay, a lot of figures around here, but just stick with me. So now it's 500,000, rental 1,005, but I owe the bank 200,000 of it. I can refinance it. So because I got no money to buy more, I need capital. So what I do is I refinance this property. I push to the bank again. Hello, bank. Uh, this property, I want to refinance. And they will take 80% of it. So if they think the value is okay, 80% of 500,000 is 400,000. So 400,000 minus the amount I owe the bank, which is 200,000, I can catch up 200,000, right? And this 200,000, I will take and go in my another property. But this 400,000, right? The money installment is now around 1,006, 1,007. It's okay. Now I have 200,000 in my bank, but every month I cough up 200. So you think about that. So a lot of people are like, but I want ROI positive for my rental. But now I got 200,000 cash, you should even buy that property first. Then this, this 200, uh, yeah, sub, sub, so, you know, when you, and this is like your third, fourth property already. And you do that again and again and again and again. So that's why property is a very, very long-term game and the value only increases, whether, or, whether by a lot or by little. Hmm. Is it overwhelming like that? <laughs> am, I, am I sharing no, no. too much? <laughs> I, my, my brain is processing, ah. but I kind of get what you mean. Yep. So it's generally, right, an increase of equity. I think like your study finance, like the concept of equity is pretty important where a house I buy today at 300,000 will worth higher in the future. And it makes sense to take loan to buy something that will increase in value in the future. So it's totally in contrast to car. But car, if you don't have to, you cannot go to work. So it's a neat kind of thing. But for investment, it's very important to understand that concept. So I take people's money, buy the property, 
I use people's money again, which is a tenant, to pay my installment. Then I leverage on their time for the next 10 years. Then I can do repeat this game again. So it's not that difficult on this game. It's not that complicated. Just like if I were to make it very simple, right? Then everybody can join or I can make it super complicated so you'll pay me money to learn. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Mm. <laughs> so, Sunset, next. Actually, this next question, I think is back to the four rules you mentioned earlier, the first one. Mm. So, this person asks, uh, what kind of property should I invest in? I think it base, it's based on the intention, what they want, right? Yeah, and maybe let's drill down a little bit more. Um, like investment also has several types. <clears throat> Are you a person that wants cash flow oriented? It means that, okay, I buy, I rent out every month, maybe extra 50 bucks, maybe extra 80 bucks, right? Or I want to buy something I hold for three to five years that I can flip for 100,000. If you are a flipper, then I would suggest you go for landed properties landed homes in popular existing locations. The sad thing to that is all are very, very high priced. So unless you have a million, you buy that you sell 1.2 million, fine, right? But now it's very hard to find a property, a landed property, freehold that is less than a million in Klang Valley. So God, but a bit further, right? Around your uni, God, still. But it's so far, travel to KL, walao, right? If you are going for rental kind of thing, then it's uh, apartment no? high rise. But a lot of people neglected this. If you look into the statistical department of Malaysia, number one, uh, capital appreciation is landed properties. I call it the Nasi Lama property of all Malaysians. You buy property, right? When your parents come and catch you, you sure say, Ayo, Shenzhen, please go and buy landed. La. Why are you going to learn people buy condo, right? But comes to the second, right? Very, very close. The second component is actually high rise. High rise will increase in, can get high rental, can also appreciate value. Just that high rise came into Malaysia a little bit later. Uh, so high rise in Malaysia, not that long, around like 50 to 60 years. Okay, so next question. What are the basics to property investing? Like what's the legal age to buy property? 18. Okay. So, so it's that legal age for you to sign any contract. And you need to be in sound mind. You need to have zero illness mentally. And that is the problem where a lot of people thought I signed. Really, I can sue people for cheating me. No, you can't. So in Malaysia rule, uh, nobody is forced to sign anything. So when you sign on dotted lines, which is the, okay, in the SBA, there's this dotted line on there. They're very cool uh, for those adults. Oh, you signed on the dotted line. Actually, I didn't know what was it. So I'm going to look at the document. Oh, they got dotted line. Then you sign there. Um, then everything is sealed. And a lot of people thought that private uh, buy, buy property or sign contract is like my uh, masa masa like that. Especially youngster. Yeah, hey, buy anything can cancel. Can. A lot of penalty law, a lot of uh, money loss law. Can. But uh, that being said, I was going to buy one when I was 17. <laughs> so back then, uh, just that didn't happen because that is how I learned. I go engage lawyer. Hey, lawyer, I want to buy property. Boy, how old are you, boy? <laughs> I'm 17. I got money. Cannot, lah, boy. 18. Oh, I see. Uh, that's how I learn. That's why I need today. I still remember. <laughs> then I lecture already. Okay. So, what is boomy lot and what is non boomy lot? Okay. So, when a particular developer develops a land, 
right? I want to build, let's say, uh, a 500,000, a 500 unit apartment. Um, there will be allocations to Bumi lots and non-Bumi lots. Bumi lots means uh, units that only Bumi can buy. Lah. And Bumi here is not only Malays. Bumi here includes those uh, Peranakans, those Orang Asli, those in Sabah Sarawak, right? So they in India, so it's more of a status kind of thing. They can be Chinese, right? They can be Chinese and they are, like my friend from Sabah, he's a Chinese, but he's Bumi. So they can buy all Bumi lots. Okay. So Bumi lots and non-Bumi lots, again, the difference is there's a requirement for the developer to provide certain percentage. For example, in PJ, a lot of high-rise need to provide 50% Bumi lots, which means I, 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 I built <clears throat> two blocks, which is 500 units, right? One block, all Bumi lots. And when Bumi buy, they get extra 10% or 15%. Uh, but the problem is not also. So the developer can appeal to the government to release the Bumi status. So when the Bumi status is released, like now after three years of marketing, the building still building, right? Eh, why still got unsold units one? As I'm saying, sold out one. Or oh, those are the Bumi release units. The confusion between Bumi lot is not with non-Bumi lots. The, it's confusion with Malay Reserve Land. So Malay Reserve Land is a whole different thing again. Malay Reserve Land is only Malay can buy. Uh, and it's also particular to different states. So in land matters, a uh, state, which is the Sultan, has the highest power. So in like, for example, if you are in Terengganu, you follow the Adat Temenggong. Then if you are in uh, Kelantan, you follow Adat Pematik. Let's say when you die, your Hada Pusaka, which is your estate, which is your property, goes priority. There are priorities that goes to women first, then some are goes to men first. <clears throat> then if in, in if it's in Malacca, different rule again. So every state will have different land law. Then every uh, state inside the state you have like district. Every district got different government again. That's why being a developer in Malaysia is very very challenging. If my land is everywhere in Malaysia, all got different rules. Mm. Uh, again, back to Bumi lot and non-Bumi lot. Uh, Bumi can buy, Bumi cannot buy. Lo. Yeah, I always thought Malay reserve land and Bumi lots were the same. <laughs> mm, different. And Bumi can buy non-Bumi or not? Uh, can. Uh, non-Bumi can buy Bumi or not? Technically, cannot. <laughs> but it can be done. Mm. So, beauty, beauty of Malaysia. Okay, and there's actually one person that asked me through private message of this question. Why, so, why, why don't I let people see your question? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, let, me, let me just ask. Uh. So mm. this, this person asked, may I know how much does surrounding factors affect ROI of a property, whether positive or negative? So the positive ones... Uh, this person gave public transport roads, uh, good feng shui. Then for negative one, uh, probably uh, they give high tension cables, symmetry or dump side. Yeah. Um, the answer is everything. An apartment in KL and an apartment in Kedah and an apartment in Penang, it's still that same 1,000 square feet. What really gives value to that apartment is the surrounding. Uh, so the surrounding can be what you say, public transport. Ding! 
Then you've got uh, <clears throat> a lot of corporate offices. Ding! Why next to KLCC is higher? Because not because it's a tourist spot, you know. Yeah, partly of it. Uh, but you have a lot of offices. And why do people rent in the first place? People rent for convenience. Like you all study in Nottingham, right? Will you buy a house in Nottingham just because you studied there three years? No, ma, xiao me, right? I rent three years, I jiao la, I go and invest somewhere else la. And that's the same concept if you are posted, let's say if you're from Ipoh or you're from, I don't know, Penang, right? But you get a job next to KLCC, let's say Manara City Bank. Will you rent a space closer to Citibank? Of course, right? Therefore, a lot of job around there, there will be a lot of demand for temporary space. Will you necessarily stay there? What if I uh, change company? Le? Right? So I will not buy a particular place just for a job, but I would rent. Then all this comes into play. Convenience, connectivity, amenities, security, privacy. And if you are buying for own stay, meaning I want to build a family, I want to get married, have kids, right? Then the safety, security portions of it will be heavier. Then let's say like cemetery, uh, high tension cable, uh, junction, uh, Feng Shui is overrated because I only look at numbers when I invest. Really numbers driven. Unless I buy a home, then okay, I'll get a Feng Shui master in. Yeah, basically whatever that person said is true. So environment dictates everything of a, of a particular property. Right? Mm. So next question from another participant. What are REITs, like real, in, real estate investment trusts, and are they better than investing in? physical property. REITs are a, port, are a class in stock market. So it's a share, right? Where a company forms REITs. It's somewhat like a management thing. Lah. So, okay. Um, in Malaysia, there's this rule where uh, if you want to turn your business into a REIT, your business, your, in, your revenue of the business must be purely from consistent income, income generating properties. In other words, friend lah. They must make it like very chunky. Okay? So for example, if uh, office building, I want to turn into a REITs company. So I now own the building, but all the rental is actually income or revenue for my company. But then all the maintenance of the, of the asset is now expenses. So what people do is for KPJ hospitals, the building is REITs. The business of the hospital the, med the, the medical practices is the business separately. So the building now collect, the building owner now collects rental from the business every month. So in other way, it's a way to liquidate money from the market. Instead of me just owning the business, owning the building myself, now I get to IPO it. Now people buy my stock, they get all the money, cash, they are going to do something with it, right? So is it better in investment and how is it compared to property? <clears throat> The difference will be leverage. So if you buy REITs, it's pretty safe like, because your income comes from rental. So it's pretty boring as well. They won't be suddenly like, oh, we increase the rental rates for 10x. All your tenants will jump. So it wouldn't happen. So your income, your returns of investment is going to be very, very stable. In other words, very, very boring. Last time when I started investment in REITs, uh, Sun REITs just came out. Sun REITs. Then pavilion research came up. So when it just came up, it's a very new concept. Therefore, there's this certain influence of people chow, people goring the stock. So suddenly I made a lot of money from that. And I did my thesis, my master's thesis in weeks. So I use real life data and go and submit as homework. Then I also graduate. Yes. 
<laughs> and because of that, uh, I learned that the return is not that great, especially when I'm young. Again, the difference is then leverage again, where I get to loan money from the bank to buy property. I cannot loan money from the bank to buy REITs. So let's say it's a 5% return uh, consistently on your 10,000 ringgit. Okay, lo, if you want, then it's okay. La. But if I want to buy property, a 10,000, uh, I can go for a lot more things. I can leverage 90% of it. Mm. So it's a very different concept altogether. And it depends on also what are your risk appetite. For those that is under loan, right, they cannot sleep. Right? I have friends who buy property already and night they cannot sleep because they owe the bank a lot of money. Then you need to think about that. Lo. So there's no right, no wrong, just that preference. Okay, so um, move on to the poll question right now. So thoughts on real estate investing in the metaverse. The question is, what do you think about the future of the property market since the metaverse is rising? Sean can talk about your thoughts on real estate investing in the metaverse. I'm, I personally invested a lot in uh, Earth 2. So it was way before uh, metaverse came up. And uh, it was me buying virtual land in the internet and I bought a lot of them. So uh, before MCO one, I bought. Then now it's like increased like sixty percent. Yeah. So if you imagine, so if you invest one hundred thousand, so it's like hundred sixty thousand today, lah. Is it better than the properties? Yes. Is it certain? Don't know. Right. No one can really say that it's uh, definite. But my problem here of the metaverse is this: there's no real uh, expert yet so you have facebook just because they have a lot of money then suddenly google might come in suddenly amazon might come in just like the spaceship thing like you have tesla pushing right you have the elon musk pushing the technology then suddenly the jeff bezos also went up to space you can anytime have another person that just comes in and dominate the space but in metaverse you look at all those like uh what land uh the nft thing the virtual uh, land the, the this company sand sandbox sorry sandbox, the sandbox. so if so if it's like something like sandbox then it's pretty much virtual because the gaming component is actually more than the you living in it you get what i mean so it's impossible that you wear oculus and you work inside for the rest of the day it's, it's not there yet so you still need to work in real life unless we're talking about 30 years down the road yeah it's very different so and at max is now like what we are doing right now we are in a virtual land just that maybe we are in the same room and you can see me, you can see my Gong Zai, you can see my NFT that there. Oh, you are the Shiba uh, sitting across me, then you are like a dog in that virtual land, in that in the metaverse thing. Then it's also debatable. But now there's a lot of money in that system. And that is often misunderstood as the need of it. Because a lot of people from crypto days, right, they made all their money. Now they pour into NFT and they pour into Metaverse. Yeah, I get the recent hype about NFTs and Metaverse. Right? Mm. So, Sensen, can you open the results? This one is not the result. Oh, meanwhile, uh, mm. we'll start un- answering other questions from the participants. Mm. So, this participant, he said that he has been watching a property video for quite some time now. And he's 22, already having emergency savings and got into the stock market mm. and also currently invested in robo-advisors. Mm. He plans to invest in property once he returns to Malaysia. But at the same time, a large capital is needed to get into the property game. And mm. he is afraid that 
it might limit the future investment choices that he might have. Mm. What's your suggestion on the situation? Build more first. So let's say your whole asset class is like 100,000. But if I want to buy a property, then I will need to use the entire 100,000. Then it's not advisable. Wait till your pool of money gets a little bit bigger first. Another thing is also when you're 22, uh, it also depends on your income first. My suggestion to not look at property investment first, uh, look into income generation first. Maybe a job, a business, a YouTube channel, uh, trading crypto or trading NFTs. And you guys are in that perfect realm right now to do all this. Back then, when I started property investment when I was 22, I didn't have anything else. After 5 o'clock, you cannot trade stocks really. I need to wait until Monday 9 o'clock to do anything else. Now I buy crypto in my sleep. Eh, market drop. Okay, buy something in my sleep, in my bed. Right? It's so easy. So technologies are enablers and they provide you different alternatives. So whatever, if I'm 22 today, I will not buy property first. I will maximize whatever I can to generate as much income first. Property can wait. Because property ultimately, right? Yes, it can be a very good return kind of thing, but the commitment is real. Whether or not you got job, whether or not you got girlfriend, whether or not you're sick or not, I need to pay installment one. If the day comes on the 7, you need to pay. On the 7, you need to pay. No negotiation for the next 35 years. That's a very huge commitment that a lot of people are like, oh, easy. Until you are certain of your career, you're certain of how you make money, then only figure out property. If not, flexibility needs to be top priority in your list. Suddenly, like, okay, Metaverse is on. Facebook just invented something. Oh, I pour all my money in, right? Or your friends, hey, I got this NFT project. You, I need some funds to hire people. I need like 30,000. You got that. Oh, but when you buy property already, you don't have this kind of opportunity anymore. You don't even have a chance to try. Mm, so that's my take. Unless you're very certain, okay, I work for this company and I am in love with it. It's impossible that they fire me, aka government servants. I unless I do something really, really bad, they will shift me to another state and they won't fire me. Then I'm okay, right? Because now with the uncertainty in the working environment, anytime any uh, any business can close down. So certainty is not on your side. Therefore, I will not advise to buy property until you sort out your career. So that means build your own income first before buying property. Have a stable income, stable job, climb the corporate ladder. Until you have a stable income. Yeah. You're right. And I think the misconception is this. A lot of people thought buy property can make money. It's a wealth diversification tool, not a money-making tool. Again, uh, it's a wealth diversification tool. <clears throat> it's when I have 2 million today. I want to make sure part of my money is worth the same 30 years from now. That's why I park in real estate. Because if I were to park, if I were to park 1 million, let's say you have only 1 million, would you buy 1 million Ethereum? Then suddenly drop 28%, will you cry? You will. But property, you won't. It also means that it will not be as volatile as well. So indirectly, it's just putting time on your side when you buy property. So another question from a fan, a big fan of your, of your YouTube channel. He said, thank you, thank you. Regarding buying properties, what mm. analysis process do you do to know if a property if a property would produce returns? Two data points, uh, the existing rental rates and the past transacted price. So if I were to buy, uh, let's say, an apartment in Bangsa, let's say, right? What, let's say it's 800,000. How do you know is it expensive or cheap? That's why I call this the Kailan theory. When you go buy Kailan today, right? Anybody know 
<coughs> half a catty of guideline, how much? Let's say 350. Is it expensive or cheap? I don't know. <coughs> so what you do? You go to the left, the left store, auntie. Hey, auntie, one catty guideline, how much? Or 350. The other one? Three bucks. Then 380, you know it's expensive, no? Then you go and ask why one. Man. Hey, auntie, why your one 380 expensive? Oh, my one. Or oh, import one lah, my one organic one lah, my one a lot of people buy one lah. Then you start figuring out, oh, the market for Kailan is from three ringgit local, three twenty. This one try to make money, three eighty. It's organic. Then you know the price. Then only you know whether uh, this property is expensive or cheap. Same theory. Uh, rental data that you can also fix against your installment amount. That's so why I tell people to buy younger. It's because your loan is 35 years. You can drag the longest. You drag the longest, your loan amount is the lowest. So only die lah to buy. And it's very easy to break even when we buy young. Okay, so Sanzen, can you move on to the Q&A? Yeah, so second question. What do you think of keeping a long-term tenant? How do you increase their rental? Like, how do you have the guts to tell them, hey, next month uh, I increase you 100 like that? It depends on how confident you are towards the market. Uh. And it, it requires a lot of homework, definitely. Like when I uh, when I rent out 1002, when a tenant leaves, then the next tenant coming, I tell me 1003. They say yes. Okay. Then the leave again, 8006. Hey, bro, cannot lie. Your neighbor, 1004. 1005, okay. Okay, no? That's how you slowly jack up. Not halfway through the tenancy because you need to sign tenancy agreement, right? But if it's a business kind of tenant, then it's actually included in the contract where every two years, I will increase 5 or 10%. So it's pretty cool. Lah. That's why for those who have not rent out properties before, there's definitely this fear of not finding tenants. But for those who have rent rooms before, you know how rare good landlords are, right? Good landlords are like, wow, never like, I never see you. All, all landlords, all... Like all devil one, right? Uh, so if you be a good landlord, a lot of tenants don't want to leave. Sometimes my tenants increase their own rental. Like my 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 house in JV, hey, uh, last year was three thousand. Then January they put in three thousand three. Hey, what's so good one? Sean, uh, we want to sign a new tenancy agreement with you, so we revise at three thousand three because we know our tenants next door is paying three thousand five because they like me as a landlord because I never catch out them. Very good. It's also to look at the. Uh, the tenant as a business so to look at this property investment thing as a business now you have this person paying you 3000 every month it means it's a 36000 contract if there's a customer today who buys 36000 worth of stock from you every year will you treat them better of course but why when they rent a room from you you treat them like shit yeah, then when Chinese New Year, yeah, I send them hamper hey thank you very much or let you on uh, what, uh, so when you what you won't leave ma. Yeah, but also when they quad, then he buy a new property. Lah. So he left also. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. So Sanjay, will you moderate the last question? I think it will be the last one. We can, we can answer all. All right. Then we'll pick the highest vote one. Then. I mean, this, this one got three questions. How are you going to answer? Sean, how are you going to answer? Never, never. I can, I, can, I can read. So I love this kind of thing. What developers would you pick for investment? Um, Based on experience, uh, Sandrian Berhad smaller firms provide better ROI products because their, their construction costs and development costs are way lower than those public listed companies because for public listed developers, the governance is strict, more stringent. Therefore, the cost is higher. And as a result, their, their, pro their property price are also more expensive. 
but when you rent a particular location, you won't care which property is built by whom. Uh. You only look at which one is better. So, so I will always go for uh, not developers, but as long as they are reputable, then it's can really. They have past records, can really. If the, the developer that you worry the most is built halfway, then out. That's the worst developer. Mm. Then how to get the best deals on property? It depends on where you buy. Generally, there's a few. New property from developer, sub-sale from owners, auction for people who cannot pay loan, and there are bulk purchases. So bulk purchases are like for property uh, speakers, or these are people that I spoke a lot about in the channel. So it depends how you buy. And most likely, bulk purchases will give you the best buying, the cheapest price. But you need to pay fees to join the club. You need to pay money to join the club in order to get access to all these deals because they don't walk around, hey, here got cheap buy. Not so, not so good one. You need to pay money. And how will you guide Burrito? So for those who don't know, Burrito is my son. That's why I call him. Uh, how will you guide Burrito if he wishes to walk in your shoes? I will <clears throat> advise him to go in a different path, which means he will have a cow son. He will have a dad that has a lot of real estate, right? He will have a property of real estate. So my goal is to own 25 of them. And if you start knowing that your father has 25 properties, go pursue your passion instead of worrying about money, right? So if you like music, if you like sports, if you like CrossFit, if you like uh, NFTs, if you like whatever, and with the internet today, you basically can do anything. And what I hope he can carry is how a guy, a simple dude that just carries a camera and walk around apartments can get so famous. He can also do it too. So that's the thing that I hope for him when he walks in my shoe do we go to the second question or do we go all this now? I think let's move on to the polls right now. Mm, let's go move on to the polls then. Okay, so, oh, so since the metaverse is rising, everyone thinks that the property market will rise. Mm. But isn't, yeah, most of them think, uh, isn't it that when the, like, if more people invest in the metaverse, doesn't that mean that physical property will be less attractive? But then if you think about it, physical property is what we need. It's a shelter we need to live in physically. Mm. <laughs> so it's very... Okay, so I think like when you say property market, it depends on location. So when I say like, okay, the question needs to be framed like future of property market in KL city center. Then it might be different, right? K, uh, future of uh, property market in Pataling Jaya. That is different, right? Because Pataling Jaya is more residential, a lot of people live there. So it might increase because now everybody works from home. Like now I get to hang out with you guys without actually leaving my house. And I don't have to go to the office just to meet you guys. On a conventional basis, I need to go to your campus, right? Will it be possible? No. Because very far, right? So, <laughs> so by the time I go there, right, it's one hour, then come back one hour. The talk is only two hours. So when traveling time, it's more than the time needed to do something that is not visible anymore. Then the property price might be a bit weird. So when you say future of property price, uh, there will be mixed because when one dropped, the people will start shifting somewhere else. Uh, so like when uh, Indonesia moved their city to, to our Kalimantan there or Jakarta, what will happen? will slightly drop a little bit because it's not the best thing really. But we look at Putrajaya also. They shift all the administration of KL to Putrajaya. Putrajaya property price increases like mad. But Kuala Lumpur also continue increasing. So it's a question thing. So everybody's correct. Right? <laughs> After hearing for you, I think there's a lot of things in, that need to be learned in under property investing. I always thought it, it, 
because I myself, I'm not from a finance field. I'm actually from engineering field myself. So, oh, cool. uh, yeah, investment stuff, uh, it's quite new for me, uh, I would say. And after hearing from you, like property investing, wow, it's so, so many things to learn under this property investing alone. Then not to say stocks, NFT. Mm, mm. Yeah, so definitely for me, uh, I would say yes, uh, because I find it quite interesting and I, I, I would personally recommend, let's say if Sanjay, right, you're an engineering grad, right? So if I, oh, how, like I'm, I'm very envious of you guys being in this phase of technology change. You guys are, okay, you guys kind of got stuck, right? In, before you graduate, then you all got, uh, everybody need to do virtual thing. Realize I need to go office and then suddenly like now new people that come to the office, I never see them before, right? But they submit their work to me every day. Like, hey, I, I don't even know how my staff look like. <laughs> so it's pretty weird. But when that happens, there will be certain dynamics that change as well. And every time there's this change of uh, wealth, and if there's this change of behaviors, there'll be transfer of wealth. If didn't, if all this technology didn't happen, for example, crypto, for example, NFT, for example, social media didn't happen, right? The rich people will all look the same which are people who invest in gold, invest in stocks, invest in properties. But now, the rich people all look different really because now they are crypto punks. They are yacht clubs. They are totes. They are kongs. Like for those who don't understand, those are NFTs. Uh, then they are early miners. They are, they are lunatics. They are Shiba believers and things like that. So every time there's a change in technology, there will be opportunities for everybody to grab because money does not disappear. Money just flows somewhere else for, for those who can catch. So that's good. If not right, we always blame the rich. The rich kids get to build richer because if it's a property game, if my daddy got money, I just use his money to buy more. Then he knows more people, he gets more access, then he gets more better deals, then I can buy more again. While I just graduate, I need to figure out how to pay my rent first. That is not fair, right? But now it's an even playing field, which is good. So it depends on who does the most homework, who plays the right cards. And I absolutely love this current era. So no need to be too sad, like, are you are your property very hard? Eventually, you'll buy one, especially when you want to propose to your wife or you impregnated her. Like, you didn't do protection during Valentine's. Uh. Uh, so then property will all come into the picture. Eh? So guys, I want to know from the audience, what is the key takeaway for you in this talk? What is the most valuable information that you have derived from this informative talk? Like me, I just learned about that. Wow, we can refinance property. That It's like a... It's like an infinity money producing scheme, right? the refinancing thing. Provided the property you buy is correct. So if the, the, the property you buy can generate rental, then this game is infinity. You are right. But like for me, I stuck in the one that I need to donate blood for food. Ah, so one is enough to... Hmm. But can't you just sell it then, then restart? Yeah, so, but, but, but when it's a not so nice property, right? So in fact, and this is exclusive for this company because this just happened just now. So I just sold my property. Uh, so, and, and weird enough, this is my first time selling a property. After buying so many, my first time I sell property. Because in my belief is I will not sell any property. Since it's generating money for me every month, right? Why must I sell like a goose that lays the golden egg for you every day, right? Why would you want to sell the goose, right? And, 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 and the flower won't grow old one. And the flower is like, uh, 
Benjamin Button and they will grow younger and younger. So they lay more and more golden eggs. Okay, so like regarding tenant management, what rules and regulations do you set for your tenants? Do you have any advice? Um, they are standard uh, agreements by the agents, but many of them tells you that they require fees like for 500 bucks uh, for that copy. So actually there's a lot in the market that you can just download or get, or get from your agent friends. And it's pretty standard one. But now there's this new ruling that is still in discussion that took up the industry three days ago. No, nothing is cast in stone yet, so don't know, right? But it's pretty simple when I like uh, before and after you stay, there will be certain uh, differences Then you need to fix it. So like the lights lost really and you need to replace. So but suddenly like my tenants move out right then, right? my aircon gone when then I'll need to charge uh, their deposit low and things like that. So it's pretty standard. You don't, don't need to reinvent the wheel. Right, so it's pretty, it's, it's all standardized. How do you keep on purchasing other the property with 70% LTV limit or markup SBA? So, um, I buy properties with discounts. So, let's say a property that offers me 20% discount, I still only pay 10% down payment. And some is, and the reality is, I got cash. <laughs> so, I save up because you, if you look into my Instagram, I generally don't spend on anything. Is that watches, right? Luxury watches, I don't invest, I don't buy anything else, like even my t-shirts also. That's why I get sponsored by Bottoms Lab because my dress code is just too bad. So they just sponsor me pants. I'm serious. <laughs> so um, it's cash and the deals of developers that provides me with a high discount. So in fact, for those properties, some properties that I buy is within 30% discount. They give me 30% discount. So when I buy with 70% loan, I still don't have to pay anything. So the next one, do you pay off the loan over the years or do you finish the loan a few years ahead? I will not finish my loan ever. Every time there's more equity, I will refinance, buy a new one. Because a housing loan provides the lowest interest rate. Besides PTPDN, right, which is 1%. Now this one is 2 point. I just signed my latest one. It's 2.8. I take a million bucks with 2.8 interest. Uh, inflation, right? It's 7%. Just understand that, right? If you put the money in the bank, it will devalue by 6%. But if I take 1 million from the bank, I only pay them 3 to use their money. So do I take more? Of course. <laughs> But of course, it depends on the interest rate. La. So sometimes interest rate when it's very high, then I will not take as much loan. Mm. So it depends on that, that current moment of time on the play of leaders. HOC is no longer available. Is there any other incentive that first-time home buyers should be aware of? Nothing much, la, but uh, developers will always give discount. La, and it has become a norm. So you since you missed the boat, then too bad. <laughs> I don't think it's going to come back soon. So we all waited for, like I personally hold on a purchase for two months. Like after 22 years, still no announcement. Then I just signed the papers uh, because there was no extension on the HOC. Normally when will discounted properties be available? All the time. Um, if you buy new from developer, it's all the time. If you buy from sub-sale, it's up to your negotiation skill. If it's from auction, it's generally 30 to 40% below market value. Then if you buy from bulk purchase, it's again all the time because bulk purchase, we also buy from developer. So it's only if you buy from developer versus you buy from owner. How is crypto related to property investment? Please explain. I use the cash I have to invest in crypto and I use my credibility to invest in property investment. Again, 
when I invest in property investment, I don't use capital one. I use my income because bank looks at income only. Man. Then when I buy a property that <clears throat> offers me a lot of money, let's say 70%, developer offers me 30% discount. Basically, I don't have to cough out anything. And I don't have to cough out anything to own the property. And the homework needs to be done where the renter can cover the installment. This property is then automatically self-sustaining. I don't need to look at the property for the next 10, 20 years. But my cash on hand, I want to flip it. Because if I don't do anything to the cash on hand, it devalues by 6% next year. Uh, so a big ganjong. So suddenly, if you have a million in your bank account today, very, very ganjong. Because if you don't do anything, you will lose money. How can I can join your membership without having to buy an NFT? You've been watching your video for a long time. Okay. For those who don't know, I launched my own NFT project. Um, so it's called around uh, Journey Around Malaysia. It's on OpenSea. And when you buy the NFT, uh, you get to spend time and hang out with me for three to four hours first one-on-one, -on -one. then we will be organizing workout sessions, property review uh, with the uh, NFT holders. Also go and shop for watches because watches price also increased like mad. For those who don't understand, uh, the watch that I bought before MCO almost doubled after Chinese New Year. It's insane. Lah. Insane, insane. So if you want to join without buying, because my greatest resources is time. And I only measure my life with time, not money I have. That's why I put a price to the NFT. If not, everybody wants my time. My, but I think my, my family deserves my time more. I say in three more two years, flood incident, will it affect property price negatively? Yes, definitely. No brainer. Mm. But it will come back up. Because since 1995, then the property was 200000 back then. Before flood, it was six hundred. But now I see auction market is around three hundred. Mm. Pretty sad. Very, very sad. How do you manage 25 properties if you don't sell? I don't understand. Uh, how do you manage 25 properties and you didn't sell? Uh... I think he means that how do you manage the 25 properties even if one of them is giving you negative returns? Why did you not sell it and just manage 24? Oh, no, la, I don't have 25 yet. La, so that's the goal. But I'm almost halfway there. Um, My goal is why well, I didn't sell because nobody want to buy. <laughs> No, but it's because I didn't have a good price yet. So I believe everybody has a good price. Like, like, uh, like the golden goose analogy, right? Like the goose will give you an egg, right? But I will buy the goose from you. So I will buy a goose price of 30x just to own that goose will you sell to me. So it depends whether you need money or not at a particular moment of time. Mm. So because I didn't need money, I keep my lifestyle pretty, pretty simple. So I don't have to sell... Even if I lose money, I don't have to sell one. But just that, it gives me a lot of hassle because it's in JB, then I cannot travel. Then I, yeah, because generally it's because of the travel restrictions, I cannot go down. Then uh, I don't have anybody managing the property for me. So it's pretty stressful in that way. That's why I sell. Does that mean you like, you uh, like you will visit all 25 properties? Uh, I mean, like assuming you have 25, like, hmm. will you visit it all 25 every month? No. So now, uh, like, for the rest of my properties are under this uh, property management company. So like my company, my team, uh, we established this uh, company that manages property for us. So I have, learned, I have not seen my last six or eight tenants before. But every month the money is in the bank. Then can you deal? So this is the moment where I think my time worth more than money. That's why I can afford it. But when I started out only money and... I, I, I don't have time. I got a lot of time. I got no money. So I do it myself. 
it's just different stage in life. Lah. So maybe we take the last three. We take the last three. So we randomly go down. Uh, we can go down. So how many questions are there? Are there, are there a lot? Yes, there are a lot. <laughs> I think they keep coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Even hey. on my side, I have got. Hey, okay, ma. If, not, if no people ask, I damn sick. Yeah. So that's it. This one also a lot. Yeah. Well, shucks in the name of the team. Never mind, let's go down. Okay, last three questions. Let me pick. Uh, okay, so this one. Did you put any any property that delayed until become project circuit? I heard a lot about LAD, not LOD, LAD, and don't really understand how it works. Okay, it's different concept. Project circuit means uh when a particular construction site cannot hit its KPI, so government actually sets KPI for developers to build their property right? because you know I collect all the money right there. I don't build. Then I just hold and hold and hold and hold. Then later I will sell low and bankrupt. Then those who suffer will be the buyers, right? That is project circuit. But LAD is when they give the they hand over the unit to you late. Usually it's thirty six to forty eight months when you buy a property, you will get the keys to your unit. If anything more than that, then there will be a clause in your sales and purchase agreement. If you late how many days, how to calculate? Uh, so it's all stated in a contract. Right? Would you purchase a property based on the potential upcoming MRT? Yes. In fact, that has been my recent purchase around the tracks. So I came from an era where there was no MRT and I see the difference. I even heard of stories when before LDP, the highway LDP in Klanajaya, before that highway was, before that highway exists and after that highway exists, I seen the property price change. So uh, infrastructure plays a very, very big role. But not only MRTs, uh, you can look into the new highways as well, which is the new Duke Highway, uh, the new WCE Highway, uh, the new SPE Highway. Uh. I spoke about it in a channel where there's a lot of brand new highways and highways actually opens up access. When Duke Highway opened, property in Waxa Maju exploded because suddenly I can go to PJ really near. Mm. So... Uh, one last. Uh, so how many properties you own now, I cannot share and I will not share, but I shared a few in the channel already. Lah. So that's like, I shared three to four in the channel already. So you guess how much I, I have. Lah. Okay. And would you recommend to purchase property outside of Clang Valley? Outside of Clang Valley, it's not Slango, lah, bro. <laughs> Slango is within Clang Valley. I don't know, bro, or sis, lah, right? So, but I would recommend to always go for, like I in the channel, again, I encourage everyone in Malaysia to buy property in KL because like when you guys all graduate right where will you look for a job KL lo? unless it's a family business back in Kuantan back family business back in Johor you reach to different right for those like for us like Takong Zai we will always go back to the city to look for jobs and I guess that's all and that's all for the podcast thank you very much for listening if you really like this episode like it share it and even subscribe for more information like this until next time, this is Sean Tan. Ciao.